Let us go to our God in prayer. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may your spirit rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast and faithful in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. For the month of August, we each of our scripture passages is pulled from uh, the Worldwide Lectionary. Our Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, our scriptures come from the lectionary, and our our New Testament passage is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. For the, the first 11 chapters of Romans, in many ways, Paul's central theme is that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet ensnared by the ways of sin and the reality of death, Christ died for us. Christ forgave us. Christ made us a new baptized people who stand under no condemnation, who are the free people of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 12, there is this shift towards well, what, what does that mean? How is, how is this beautiful truth practically lived out? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few months back, I was seeing a physical therapist regularly for an injury, and he noticed, uh, for for something totally unrelated, uh, he noticed also that my head 
was tilting forward. He said, yep, <clears throat> forward head posture. Something, he explained, the office sees all the time. More and more in these recent years, it's also sometimes called scholar's neck or reader's neck or eye hunch. But basically, it results from reading books with our necks like this or looking at our computers or our phones like this for extended periods of time. Hence, I hunch. Well, over time, right, the head strains forward and things like the neck gets strained and the shoulders and the back and the chest and the arms, the muscles, they all tighten together. Headaches can become more regular. Even the arms and the ends of the hands can start to tingle with some numbness. If any of this sounds familiar... Well, I learned that somewhere between 75 and 90% of our population deals with some measure of this very thing. Now, much as we know, we should not be hunched over our phones and books in a poor posture for any extended period. And and we know we should not be in front of our computer for too long before standing up and and getting a, a good stretch. Much as we know all the right answers, we find ourselves far more formed and conformed by our bad habits. And we wonder, well, if if knowing the right answers is is not quite enough, and what is the answer? How how does the body then actually change? How how is this body to renew? How is this body to transform? What enables the body to not merely be conformed further and further into diminishment, but transformed into full stature and maturity And that really is precisely the question that Paul is aiming towards in Romans 12. How do people really change? Most pointedly for Paul, who rarely thinks of us in just individual units, how does the body of Jesus Christ change, renew, transform? How do our muscles lengthen and grow? How does our heart not contract but expand? How do our ligaments grow in flexibility and adaptability? And interestingly, Paul begins by exhorting the church not to consider the mind, not the four things that we really need to learn so that we can change. He starts with the body. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the same way that a whole animal's body would be sacrificed to God, so too give your whole body, your whole being, alive as a sacrifice to God. It's also translated offering because the sense here is of a Of a thank offering. In light of all that God in in Jesus Christ has done to save you, to forgive you, to make you new, to pour blessing upon blessing that you do not deserve, in in view of God's abundant mercy, present your bodies as living thank offerings. This, Paul says, that's your spiritual worship, or also translated spiritual, logical, irrational, or appropriate worship in light of God's Mercy. Notice how Paul does not say an hour on Sunday is is your worship, but everything you do with and through your body, this is your logical and appropriate worship. Sunday certainly included, but it's a vision of worship that is 24-7. It invites us to consider all of our embodied habits and rhythms. I say this because I think one of the lingering effects of the Enlightenment on our society and, and certainly parts of the church has been this idea that right thinking will lead to right action. If we, if we can get the right beliefs cognitively downloaded and understood, we will put those strong and good and right beliefs into strong and good and right action. It's very much in keeping with that concept of Descartes. I think, therefore I am. 
If people just understood the Christian faith better, they'd be better Christians. If people just understood and had a little more education on this topic, they wouldn't act so ignorantly, violently, poorly. If people just understood this perspective about General Lee or immigration or abortion or the environment, uh, if they had a little more knowledge, they'd change. People had more knowledge about the right foods we should be eating and the right foods we should avoid. They would avoid the wrong ones. They'd eat the right ones. We'd all be healthy. It's not that knowledge is bad or wrong. In fact, it's, it's very needful. It, Paul speaks of renewing the mind here shortly. We'll get to that. But knowledge alone or even as a priority is insufficient for transformation. Present your bodies. Paul's first word in this major section on sanctification in the book of Romans. His first word about how to grow in the faith and be transformed, to be in the likeness of Jesus. His first word is what we do with our bodies. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of Jesus' logic about money. Do you remember that? It, Jesus doesn't say, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Where you're feeling really deep about something, your money's going to go there. No, he says, check out where your treasure actually is. That's where your heart is. Look at where your actions are actually going, your checkbook's actually going. Look where your money's actually going. That'll tell you what your heart's all about. Same kind of logic underlies Romans 12. Not where your beliefs are, there your body is. But no, where your body is, there you can see what your beliefs are about. Look how your body's functioning, your habits, your routines. How is it being offered up? How are you showing up and where are you not showing up? That's the story of what is shaping you or not shaping you. So what's the story of our body today? Our our body as a church locally, globally? I mean, if we leaned in and we we looked at the body, would we we see, is is the church at this moment wound kind of tightly with some anxieties? Would we say there's a looseness, an expectant openness? Do we note some growing inflexibility in ourselves or we kind of see it in some others? Or, Or no, do we note in fact some flexibility, some healthy stretching of our perspectives, stretching in our walk of faith that feels good? Do we observe knots of resistance and calcification in the heart tissue of aspects of the church? Or no, do we, do we observe a more fluid, malleable strength at work right now? Do we note some numbness and coldness where there used to be more warmth and feeling? Or no, is actually the feeling acute and real and full of compassion? The state of the body will tell the truth about what is or is not actually shaping us, what is actually shaping the church. And even if it's difficult for us to assess the state of the church, maybe we think, well, in parts I see some knots and inflexibility, but in other ways I I see some real compassion. I don't think, though, it is too difficult to assess the current state of our society at large. I mean, we readily see a body of people wound tightly, increasingly inflexible, lots of knots, lots of calcification, lots of hunkering down in ideological bunkers. And just as in Paul's day, hence his letter, the church is entirely susceptible to being conformed by the patterns of the prevailing culture. Brene Brown is an author and public speaker, professor at the University of Houston, who studies people and fear and belonging and has one of the five most watched TED Talks in history globally. And she says, 
You know, when you see a people growing more and more entrenched and armoring up with their best position and the best their position has to offer in sort of this defensive way, the more you see that growing and those trenches deepening, the more you can tell precisely what it is that is forming the people. Fear. Fear is a great instinct. It will save your life if there is a real and immediate threat. But fear as a pattern that forms a people every day, every news cycle, that will tighten an entire society up. That can also start to conform the church. And most days, I don't think all of us are totally aware of just how bent over our posture may be becoming. Whether it's fear of nuclear war or fear of losing our job, if our children are going to get into this or that school, or what are, how are we going to raise our children in this kind of society? What's going to happen to our nation? What's the diagnosis going to be? What about the immigrants who are not like us? What if we don't have enough saved for retirement? What about death? It can tie a people into a lot of knots. But along comes Paul, and he reminds the church they have an essential place amid the patterns that slowly bend and break and knot the world. Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, by the prevailing fears and anxieties, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are to be the transformed ones who exhibit in our body and all that we say and do what it looks like for a human being to take on a full stature, fully alive and free. Notice Paul said, be transformed. It's passive. It's not we who transform ourselves out of this fear and anxiety into what God calls us to be. It's not we who transform ourselves into the the health and and the fullness of life. It is, of course, the Holy Spirit who does this work upon us. That, that, that That is God's gift to us. But lest we stop there and say, oh, good. I can just sit back and I'll wait for God to, to do the spirit thing on me and all these crazy situations in the world. Lest we settle into some kind of avoidance of doing anything, we do need to recall the very first verse of Romans 12. Present your bodies as living offerings. Show up. The Holy Spirit transforms, but both, most definitely we need to show up and present ourselves. One of the better routines that my chiropractor had, or physical therapist, sorry, had me do was with uh, this foam roller. I imagine some of you probably seen these or used them, the the, the long, hard cylinder of foam uh, that, that you can roll your body along in all these different ways. But what I'm supposed to do is not roll along it. I'm supposed to place it uh, along my spine while I lay on the ground with my arms outstretched to either side like that supposed to lay there for four to five minutes the foam roller it's pretty hard it's meant to kind of push into the uh the spine and and helps recalibrate And, and of course my arms are open because then the gravity can start to press it starts to press into the spine so it's getting a little recalibration and it's starting to press my arms very slowly down toward the floor and opening along the chest and the shoulders and I've noticed that in doing this act, my mind has also been renewed. I didn't expect this. I mean, I cognitively knew beforehand, stretching's a good thing. 
But lying down, choosing to place my body in a space where gravity can, in fact, shape me, there my mind has been far more deeply impressed about the importance of stretching, the goodness of stretching, the rightness of stretching. The act informed my mind. The act shaped more profoundly my mind on this. To present ourselves as living offerings is to open ourselves and let God do the work. It is humbling. It is this daily act of dropping away from the atmosphere of fear and spreading our hearts and our bodies wide before the living God in total vulnerability. As Brene Brown goes on to say, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. Paul's word, transformation. And it's true because in this open posture where we are totally exposed in our weaknesses, in our tightnesses, and probably that means the story that got us that way, we're exposed in our callousness, in our shames, in this vulnerability The Holy Spirit is always faithful as gravity to then do the actual work of pressing and opening and making those tiny tears we needed anyway to start healing. And there we really start to have our minds also renewed, right? About the beauty and the goodness and the rightness of of humility and the faithfulness of God. One thing to believe it, but one thing to know it in our bodies. The act of offering our bodies renews the mind. And perhaps we have gathered this morning, because terrifying as it is, something in our whole being longs for that extended stretch and tear and healing from the Holy Spirit as we say thank you again for this mercy that covers me and makes me new. Or perhaps some of you are here and you you do kind of long to be that open before God and God's people. But there's fear that lingers, fear of being exposed. Nobody opens themselves until we trust we're in the presence of one who tells us that we're going to belong no matter what. Some of us, we fear the gravity is not good, that if we open ourselves before God and God's people, the judgment will crush us if they only knew. None of us ever open, and therefore none of us ever grow, until we know for sure whatever we open towards, we will still belong and we will still be loved. And thanks be to God then for Paul's word back in verse 1 where he wants to underscore this point. He says, brothers and sisters. And then in verse 5, we who are many are one body in Christ individually. We are members of one another. He wants to underscore You belong. You are family. This right is the fundamental message of the good news of Jesus Christ who does, who looks upon each one of us and says, I see you. I see your knots and I see your numbness. I see your creases of anxiety and I see your hidden shames. I see you open and your outstretched body tells a story. I see you, and you belong. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are, in fact, needed. 
You have gifts without which the body cannot flourish. Individually, you are members of, of, of one another. You are sisters and brothers, organically, utterly, intrinsically connected. This profound sense that we, we belong despite everything, that is the mercy of God that frees us to offer ourselves so vulnerably and so be transformed. We don't need more knowledge to change. We need a deeper sense that, yes, we do belong, and so then find the freedom to offer our bodies exposed and broken and needy and let the gravity do its work. Do we know ourselves to be indispensable to this body of Jesus Christ? Will we risk receiving that gift again of belonging and then risk ourselves in total openness before God Offering our brokenness, but also our gifts. God's given us those too. And can we name precisely how we're indispensable to the body? I mean, can we name the gifts? Our scripture ends by by assuring us every single family member has gifts. Period. It's a gift. Can't do anything about it. And Paul lists a few in our passage. Hardly exhaustive. Do you have the gift for prophecy, being able to speak truth with clarity amid all the confusion, distraction? Or is it ministering? Is it teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing compassion, hospitality, prayer, so many more? We belong. Do we know our indispensable aspect of our belonging? Have we opened and offered it? I think we get caught up in so many things we feel we should be doing, need to be doing. We get distracted by dozens of things. We get wound wound up about all that is going on in our world and our family and what might happen out there and right here. I mean, fears of every variety can form and shape us without us even noticing. And then once we start to see just how tight we've become, we hardly know how to untangle ourselves or where to start. And the word of God comes to us this day I appeal to you brothers and sisters who belong in the family by the mercies of God present your bodies as a living thank offering particularly offer anew your gifts that this body so needs open those again and let the Holy Spirit stretch and shape and renew you. This is your spiritual worship. That act will do more to transform you and the church and the society than any measure of angst or fear or even more knowledge could ever accomplish. I was asking my chiropractor, um, physical therapist, sorry, how the healing process works with this forward head tilt. Do I, do I just one day wake up and I'm, I'm, I, I notice everything's finally straightened out and, and how long will this take? As you might guess, he said the timeline differs for each body. But he says healing happens most effectively when every part of my body is getting the good stretch it needs. So make sure I'm doing the neck stretches right along with that, that good chest stretch and some of the shoulder stretches and, and, and some of the spine elongating. Any one of those stretches, he said, that, that's really good and helpful. But gosh, if the others remain tight, 
they usually just pull the good area right back down. If all the areas are opening up at the same time, you're creating all of this space for new air and new blood to flow and a new posture. In the wide embrace of Jesus Christ, you belong now and always. May this posture that has saved us be the posture we offer vulnerably before our God and one another that we might discover the Holy Spirit's faithful transformative, stretching, renewing, maturing work among us. Amen.